Welcome to Defiant Health Radio, a place where you can count on hearing about the truth in health, uncolored by interests of big pharma, the generally misplaced motivations of healthcare and doctors, just ideas and strategies that work safely, effectively, and inexpensively. I'm your host, Dr. William Davis, cardiologist and author of the Wheat Belly and Undoctored books, and now my newest book, Super Gut, a book that gives you a blueprint on rebuilding a healthy microbiome to take back control over weight, health, and aging. In this episode of Define Health, that I call the Great Low-Fat Diet Disaster, we talk about how U.S. dietary guidelines, the USDA, the American Heart Association, the American Diabetes Association, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and most doctors and dietitians agree. You must cut fat, total fat, saturated fat to reduce heart disease risk, manage health, and weight. They've been advocating a low-fat lifestyle for decades, all while the American public gets fatter and fatter. Many more become type 2 diabetics, Coronary disease remains the number one killer of Americans, despite the ready availability of heart procedures. Alzheimer's dementia is sharply on the rise. Fatty liver is now an epidemic. This advice was based mostly on crude, poorly designed clinical trials conducted way back in the 1950s and 1960s. Since then, the science has advanced, and it's now clear that low-fat diets are destructive. But it took this 50-year lesson to learn just how bad this mistake could be. Let's talk about how you can improve dramatically on the awful results of conventional dietary advice. Later in the podcast, let's talk about Defiant Health's sponsor, Paleo Valley. They're fermented grass-fed beef sticks, bone broth protein rich in collagen, organic super greens, and low-carb super food bars have among the cleanest ingredient lists in the industry. And of course, they're delicious. And I'd like to introduce Define Health's newest sponsor, Layer Origin Nutrition, providers of human milk oligosaccharides that are essential for infants, but early science is suggesting that there can be beneficial effects for adults also, and there may be additional benefits when added to your overall program for rebuilding a healthy microbiome. In case you haven't noticed, the low-fat dietary advice that we've all received for about a half a century is disastrous. It does not work and has caused a ton of health problems. And so it's even the more surprising that even today, people still are limiting their fat intake, still falling for the fictions like fat intake causes weight gain or fat intake causes coronary disease, that is cardiovascular disease that leads to heart attack, need for heart procedures, etc. So this all got started about 50, 60 years ago when it was suspected that because cholesterol is found in the atherosclerotic plaque of arteries, of heart arteries, it must be dietary cholesterol that causes heart disease. Well, that's not true. That's been very solidly disproven that the cholesterol you take in orally does not make its way to the bloodstream. After all, the human body is made up of a huge quantity of cholesterol. It's in all cell walls. About 25% of all the lipids or fats in cell walls is comprised of cholesterol. And cholesterol is the precursor or source for numerous hormones like testosterone, estrogen, and cortisol. So cholesterol is an essential component of the body. And when cholesterol is ingested, say in an egg yolk or in cheese, it does not make its way to the arteries. Then it was suggested 
that the cholesterol measured in the low-density lipoprotein fraction of the blood lipoproteins, that is LDL cholesterol, was the cause for heart disease. And there is indeed a germ of truth in that, but ignores many essential facts, such as the LDL particles that they're measuring. They're trying to measure indirectly by measuring cholesterol. Those LDL particles are really a variety of different things. They differ in size, in adhesiveness, and how long they persist in the bloodstream, how well they're recognized by the liver, how well they can insert themselves into the arterial wall. In other words, there's a whole family of these particles, and you cannot make any kind of judgment about them by looking at something like LDL cholesterol. You may have also noticed that LDL cholesterol often says C-A-L-C, or calculated, in parentheses. It's not measured. It's calculated. It's calculated from an old, outdated equation called the Friedewald calculation that came about about 1960 based on some very crude assumptions about how LDL cholesterol behaves. That equation is outdated, should have been discarded decades ago, but it persists. It has almost no predictive value for heart disease, But treating or reducing LDL cholesterol with prescription drugs, such as the popular statin drugs, makes a lot of money and has kept that fiction alive. The truth is that there are many better measures, better indicators for cardiovascular risk that you can use that are far superior to measures like total cholesterol or LDL cholesterol. That's another topic for another day. Today, let's talk about how and why low-fat diets are so destructive. Now, some of you may already be aware of some of these things, but there are many facets to the low-fat message that you may not be aware of that can damage health, actually do health damage. It also helps to know that there never really was any solid science to back up this idea of cutting dietary cholesterol nor cutting dietary fat. It came from studies conducted in the 1950s and 1960s, that this is a long time ago. And study design, clinical study design, was in its infancy. And so the studies that were created to prove or disprove that fat intake caused cardiovascular disease were very crude, very sloppy. And so probably today, if those studies were published today, they likely would not have been published. They were so sloppy and so weak in design. Nonetheless, the American Heart Association, even to this day, uses those studies to back up their claim that you must cut total fat and saturated fat in your diet. Now, they've also resorted to more modern studies, but these are studies that are epidemiologic or observational, that amount to doing something like this. I ask you, what did you eat for breakfast on Monday? And you say, well, I think I had some breakfast cereal or oatmeal. What did you eat for lunch? I think I had a bologna sandwich or whatever. And then they quantify what you ate over some period, maybe a week or two. And then they ask you in five years or 10 years, whether you had a heart attack or other disease like colon cancer. And then they try to use your diet at the start as a predictor of events five, 10, or more years later. Now, you have to know those studies are very sloppy and extremely weak because they're subject to many variables. People change their diets over time. Other things happen to your health. People may not be entirely truthful about their diet. These sorts of observations cannot prove cause and effect. They cannot prove. They simply are incapable of proving Something like eating more fat causes cardiovascular death or heart heart attack. They can only suggest an hypothesis. Unfortunately, people at the USDA, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, have chosen to use these hypothesis-generating studies, these observational studies, as the basis for proving 
that fat intake causes heart disease. So the whole low-fat message is a house of cards that should have crumbled long ago, but unfortunately, financial concerns emerged and keeps this old, outdated message alive. And unfortunately, there's been lately a resurgence of interest in low-fat diets coming from the world of microbiome research of all places. And that's because microbiologists, whose work I do respect, they're doing a great job of defining exactly what this thing is, the human microbiome, but they are microbiologists. They are scientists, experts in microbes like bacteria. They are not experts in nutrition. Now, if you were talking to an entomologist, an insect scientist, would you expect that entomologist knows something about human nutrition? Probably not. Why would we expect microbiologists, scientists in microbes, know something about nutrition? And unfortunately, they've been publishing studies in which they give what they call a high-fat diet, or even call it a standard American diet, to mice and other animals. What they're not telling you, and what they don't understand, is that they're feeding these creatures a high corn oil diet that lacks many necessary nutrients, especially fibers that nourish microbes. And so they're calling it a high-fat diet. It's really a high-corn oil diet that seems to have adverse effects because there are oils that have favorable effects on the microbiome, like olive oil, because it has oleic acid. And omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, have positive effects on the intestinal wall and on the intestinal microbiome. So it is flat wrong to say that you need to cut fat in order to have a healthy microbiome. But unfortunately, that's caused a lot of confusion and a resurgence in this ridiculous notion of cutting fat in the human diet. So let's talk about some of the adverse consequences of cutting fat in your diet that you may not know about. The first one is that a low-fat diet, when you cut out fats and oils, you got to replace it with something because people get hungry. Fats and oils are satiating. When you have fats and oils like butter or extra virgin olive oil or the fat on pork or, or beef or the dark cuts of meat and poultry, you're satiated. You feel full more readily. When you cut back on those fats, you've got to replace those lost calories and the feeling of satiety with something else. And it's typically filled up by carbohydrates. And so you have the low fat, eat more healthy whole grain type message. And so a lot of grain products enter the picture as well as sugar products. So a low fat diet is nearly always a high carbohydrate and grain-filled diet. Well, that has plenty of adverse consequences, including it increases the process of insulin resistance. That is, the organs of the body, liver, brain, muscle, don't respond properly to insulin because those repeated high blood sugars that result from a high-carbohydrate diet also raise insulin. So repeated cycles of high blood glucose, high blood insulin, high blood glucose, high blood insulin leads over time to insulin resistance. That is, the pancreas has to overcompensate for this resistance by massively overproducing insulin. So the fasting insulin level of somebody who's insulin sensitive could be one, two, or three micro units per liter. A person who's very resistant to insulin could have levels of 40, 70, 130 micro units per liter. Not just a little bit worse, but far worse, many times worse. And insulin, those high levels of insulin driven by insulin resistance cause weight gain and cause inflammation in other parts of the body. It also causes the liver to respond by producing more fats into the bloodstream. 
So even though you cut the fat in your diet, the quantity of fats in the lipoproteins increases. And that's the factor that leads to heart disease. So the high blood insulin level of a high-carbohydrate, low-fat diet causes weight gain. And it causes weight gain, especially in visceral fat, that is fat that encircles abdominal organs, which is very inflammatory. And inflammation also worsens insulin resistance and causes inflammation in other parts of the body, including the coronary arteries. That's one of the processes that adds to coronary disease and heart attack. So even though people have cut the fat in their diet, they've actually amplified the liver's activity that causes it to produce more fats that lead to heart disease. And the visceral fat that accumulates from a low-fat, high-carbohydrate diet adds further to inflammation and insulin resistance, kind of around and around in a vicious cycle. Those combination of phenomena, high-carbohydrate intake, high blood sugar, high blood insulin, insulin resistance, increased activity of the liver-producing fats, the expansion of visceral fat that further drives insulin resistance and inflammation and weight gain, that all adds up to a marked increase in potential for type 2 diabetes and prediabetes. And so a lot of the type 2 diabetic epidemic can be blamed on the low-fat dietary message, coupled with predatory practices by the food companies, but telling people to cut their fat, cut their saturated fat, eat more healthy whole grains, the resulting high-carbohydrate diet is a major contributor to the epidemic of type 2 diabetes and prediabetes, as well as weight gain. The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other terrific products. We are very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like maltodextrin, carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, and of course, no added sugars. And all Paleo Valley products contain no gluten nor grains. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest of any in their category, and they're truly delicious. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include a fermented food product at least once, if not several times per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. And if like most people, you don't have the time to make batches of bone broths or soups every week or every day, Paleo Valley has an excellent grass-fed bone broth protein powder that packs 15 grams of collagen per scoop for skin and joint health, while providing the health benefits of bone broth. Shipping is free for orders of $75 or more. For more information or to order, go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Enter the discount code DEFIANT not case sensitive, for a 15% discount to Defiant Health listeners. The web address is also listed in the Defiant Health show notes that accompany this podcast. And be sure to take a look at their other products, such as their organic super greens, rich with phytonutrients, and their super food bars that come in dark chocolate chip, apple cinnamon, and lemon meringue. They're low carb, of course, with 8 grams net carbs per bar. Let's talk now more about the liver's role in all this. The liver is very efficient at converting carbohydrates, such as that in sucrose or fructose or glucose, 
or the amylopectin A, carbohydrate unique to grains, to wheat and grains, the liver is very good at taking those sugars and converting them to fats, that is triglycerides. Now, some of those triglycerides stay in the liver, and that's how fatty liver emerges. So, even though it's called fatty liver from accumulation of fat, the process gets its start with your intake of sugars, such as the amylopectin A of grains, or sucrose or fructose. The liver also converts these sugars into triglycerides that are released into the bloodstream. But triglycerides, because they're fats, do not float freely in the bloodstream. They must be coupled with a protein, lipoproteins. And the lipoproteins that carry most of the triglycerides in the bloodstream are called VLDL, or very low-density lipoproteins. Because they're rich in fat, they're very low-density. Well, VLDL particles do two things. They can directly cause heart disease. So the rise in VLDL particles, the rise in triglycerides, is a big contributor to coronary disease. This is, and the shame of this is, is triglycerides are often ignored on a conventional lipid panel. Or they're not paid attention to until they exceed 150 milligrams per deciliter, even though all it takes is a triglyceride level of above 60 milligrams per deciliter to contribute to causing coronary disease. So VLDL particles that emerge from the liver from consumption of grains and sugars causes coronary disease. That's one effect of VLDL. The other effect of VLDL particles is that they interact with LDL particles and contribute triglycerides to those LDL particles. And then there's a series of reactions that causes that triglyceride-enriched LDL particle to become small. And that's the nastiest cause for coronary disease of all. Because small LDL particles, one, are smaller. They're able to infiltrate into the arterial wall and cause atherosclerotic plaque. Small LDL particles also have a different surface shape or conformation. And the recognition protein, called apoprotein B, is poorly recognized by the liver. So when you have a large LDL, a normal LDL particle, the liver recognizes that apoprotein B, that LDL particle, and clears it within 24 hours after creation. If the particle is small, if the LDL particle is small, the apoprotein B is partially concealed and the liver doesn't recognize it. So that small LDL particle circulates around and around and around in the bloodstream for five to seven days. So that, that bagel you had or that sandwich you had where the amylopectin A was converted to VLDL particles and then contributes to formation of small LDL particles, those small LDL particles persist for about a week. And that's a much more potent cause for coronary disease. These small LDL particles are also much more prone to processes like oxidation. That makes it a much more dangerous particle. So the advice to cut your fat, eat more healthy whole grains, a carbohydrate-rich diet leads to increased VLDL, increased small LDL particles, increase risk for coronary disease and heart attack. I want to tell you about a new player in the important area of prebiotic fibers, layer origin nutrition, and it's human milk oligosaccharides. Ordinarily, human milk oligosaccharides are a critical component of human breast milk for a breastfeeding infant. It fuels neurological growth, powers the immune response, and has considerable health consequences for the child even into adult years. But there is also growing recognition that human milk oligosaccharides may provide health benefits in adults who are obviously not breastfeeding, 
preliminary clinical trial experiences suggest that human milk oligosaccharides favorably mold the intestinal microbiome, increasing, for instance, bifidobacteria species that produce butyrate, a powerhouse metabolite that mediates benefits such as reduced insulin resistance and reduced blood sugar. It can also help reduce unhealthy microbes in a diseased microbiome. Leia Origins products therefore provide human milk oligosaccharides that hold potential for introducing some very interesting changes into your microbiome. If you'd like to give these human milk oligosaccharides a try to see if what kind of benefits you might experience, especially in the way of increasing the butyrate in your GI tract, you can order with from the link I'll post below in the show notes and use discount code DRDavis, Dr. Davis, D-R-D-A-V-I-S, not case sensitive, for a 10% discount. Another consequence of cutting your fat, eating more healthy whole grains, a carbohydrate-rich diet, is sodium retention. That is, because insulin resistance becomes part of this whole process, insulin resistance causes you to retain sodium. And that, of course, leads to high blood pressure. Unfortunately, this was interpreted to mean that Americans overconsume salt or sodium, not recognizing that it's conventional dietary advice coupled with predatory food, uh, big food practices that causes insulin resistance and sodium retention. So the solution is not a reduction in salt. The solution is to get rid of the factors that lead to insulin resistance such as cutting fat and increasing your intake of grains and carbohydrates. Now, that process of fatty liver caused by the consumption of grains and sugars is no small matter. It is a big deal. About half of the American public, about 150 to 160 million people, now have fatty liver. And unfortunately, most of my colleagues tell you there's nothing they can do about fatty liver, they'll just watch your AST and ALT, those are the two blood tests they can do, to track whether your liver is being damaged, or they can do an ultrasound or MRI or a CAT scan of your liver and see if it has excess fatty tissue in it, and they'll track it for you, right? And they say, well, when you get to cirrhosis, we'll put you on the liver transplant list. Well, let's talk about that. Cirrhosis is a horrible disease. It leads to all kinds of awful things, like rupture of enlarged veins in the esophagus called esophageal varices. And this is people who uh, vomit up bright red blood and you can die from that. That's one of the consequences of cirrhosis. So just saying that we're going to watch you when you develop cirrhosis and then maybe put you on a liver transplant list is absurd. And liver transplant is a horrendous procedure. It's extremely difficult with a short lifespan after even a successful transplant to say that's our plan is absolutely ridiculous. What do they mean when they say there's nothing they can do for it? What they're saying is there's no drug or procedure for it. Because as you know, most physicians are painfully ignorant of nutrition. All you need to do to turn off the, the development of fatty liver is to quit feeding your liver sugar and grains. That is glucose, fructose, and the amylopectin A of grains that cause the liver to convert those sugars to triglycerides that plug up the liver. So stop feeding the liver those foods and fatty liver goes away. Even better, address common nutrients that impact insulin resistance, vitamin D, magnesium, omega-3 fatty acids, iodine, the basic components of my programs, and insulin resistance is further turned down. The liver's 
conversion of sugars to triglycerides is further turned down. And then lastly, address your microbiome because dysbiosis and small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, can inflame the liver. So that combination of the liver's conversion of sugars to triglycerides coupled with the breakdown of bacterial byproducts into the bloodstream called endotoxemia is the process that leads to fatty liver. So that's another conversation. I have other podcasts in my blog, uh, drdavisinfinitehealth.com blog, also talks about that, as well as my new super gut book. So even though my colleagues say there's nothing you can do for fatty liver, there is a lot you can do for fatty liver, but it does not involve drugs nor procedures. It involves your choices in food, some basic nutrients to address that are lacking in modern life, and some attention to your microbiome, and you can get rid of fatty liver quite easily and quite quickly. Another common consequence of the advice to cut your fat and increase carbohydrate intake is acceleration of many of the phenomena of aging, and that's largely due to the process called glycation. And all that means is whenever blood glucose rises above 100, uh, that is above 100 milligrams per deciliter, you glycate proteins throughout the body. And this is an irreversible process. Once it's done, that protein is worthless and cannot be unglycated. So if you glycate, for instance, the proteins in the cartilage of your hips and knees, cartilage breaks down, becomes brittle, and you develop arthritis of those joints. If you glycate the proteins in the lenses of your eyes, they develop opacities and you develop cataracts. And I'm seeing this happen in people now in their 40s and 50s rather than as it used to happen, people in their 70s. If you glycate the proteins in your kidneys, they can, it can cause kidney dysfunction and kidney failure. If you glycate brain tissue, it can lead to an acceleration of dementia. And that's why some people call Alzheimer's dementia type 3 diabetes, meaning it's worsened by insulin resistance and high blood glucose and glycation. So advice to cut your fat, cut your saturated fat, eat more healthy whole grains, stack your diet in favor of carbohydrates is also a way to accelerate aging of multiple organs. In short, the dietary message to cut fat, eat more healthy whole grains, etc. has been an unmitigated disaster. All you need to do is go to your local Walmart or other store and see the effects. The massive obesity, red faces, people who are on insulin, people who have fatty liver, people who have accelerated aging. This message has been very destructive. So you want to do the opposite. You want to never cut your intake of fat. Now you want to choose healthy fats, right? You want to eat the fat on meats, pork, the skin on fish, on poultry. You want to add butter. You want to use extra virgin olive oil. And of course you want to supplement fish oil because in a modern world it's impossible to eat enough fish to get your omega-3 fatty acids because of mercury. And you can't eat shellfish galore because it has cadmium in it, so we supplement omega-3 fatty acids, but never limit fats. We do not indulge in whole grains or grains of any sort because of that amylopectin A effect that causes coronary disease, as well as other factors such as the gliadin protein in wheat that converts to an opioid that drives appetite. It's an appetite stimulant. Wheat and grains are appetite stimulants via an opioid effect. And we simply return to real whole foods like eggs and avocados and vegetables and meats and organ meats. Now, all this is new to you. I invite you to take a look at all I've written in my books, my wheat belly books, my undoctored books, 
Uh, and also, all the attention we play to the microbiome, which is becoming extremely interesting in my super gut book, or join my conversations in my website, drdavisinfinitehealth.com, where we have a, discuss- a very busy discussion forum. We have two-way Zoom meetings once a week for about a couple of hours where we talk with 70, 80, or 100 people and answer questions and talk about new discoveries. And of course, subscribe to this Defiant Health podcast via your favorite podcast directory, Post a review, post a comment, tell your friends. This is all about driving the movement of self-empowerment in health. Thanks for listening.